Hello and welcome back to the Daniel Muggleton podcast. I'm Daniel Muggleton. I'm the guy. It's been a minute. It's been a minute and I apologize for that. It is my fault. I want to start with a groveling apology. We had some momentum. We were doing episodes weekly. It was all happening. Uh, But the Christmas period, the Christmas period ruined it. Ruined it, not just because... I was busier, not just because I reckon you were in need of a podcast more than you've ever needed a podcast before. It's Christmas. Everyone needs something to listen to at Christmas because otherwise they're going to have to improvise and listen to their family and fuck that. Uh, But yes, I want to apologize. The reason uh, that there was a delay is because I did an episode, I did it over Zoom, I needed the recording from the guy, I didn't get it in time, I did a 2022 rap, I did a rap, well, fuck, alright, <laughs> I want to make that very clear, that kind of implied that, like, I did some kind of rhyming musical performance about the year 2022, that is not an option, that is so cringe, uh, that is worse than posting your Spotify wrapped publicly. You know, this is a shameful act uh, that you should do uh, offshore uh, where everybody does their shameful acts, Southeast Asia. Now, <laughs> now um, I just met a rap of the year. I thought it would be a fun thing to do a year in review uh, with a very funny comedian, James McCann. That will exist. That will be something you can listen to shortly uh, but just for the moment, um, it, it, look, the reason it didn't get there, and I don't want to have a go at him too hard here, he recorded the episode in his car because he needed to get away from his family to record the episode. He just had a third child. Uh, this, is a, this is a mildly successful comedian. He cannot afford three children. He doesn't have space to have three children. Nobody, I think, in the year 2022 has space to have three children unless you're some kind of billionaire like Elon Musk, which is why he has so many. I think that's what a billion dollars is. It's just leave it in money. You know? No more pullouts for you. Leaving it in. You got a billion. You got rooms to spare. Fuck it. Procreate. Uh, (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's essentially what a billion dollars buys you. The capacity to leave it in without it affecting your financial situation. Uh, Will it affect the, you know, emotional growth of the child later? Of course. Uh, But who's to say living in close proximity to your siblings doesn't do that anyway? I'm getting off track. So that episode will come out soon. um, But that was the reason I could have jumped on and done like a solo thing but i just look i got wrapped up it's it's the christmas time like i know it's a trope and just like a meme essentially at this point but the days between christmas and new year are kind of a lost a lost world you don't really know what day of the week it is you don't really know what time it is but unfortunately for me i worked i kind of i kind of worked the entire time i had absolutely zero days off between Christmas and New Year. And yes, I'm counting seeing my friends' work. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the only one who does this. I don't know if I'm the only one who genuinely sees their hangs. Is hangs the correct term? Like when you see a friend, I also consider that kind of like a booking. Like as a comedian, the only thing you really have to sell is your time. That's kind of all we own. Like, we, we don't have any transferable skills. We don't have the ability to do things not live, if that makes sense. Because I'm like a stand-up comedian. I know this podcast. This podcast is an attempt for me to be able to do something in advance and have you listen to it at another... Does that make sense? Like, this is an attempt for me to do something that you guys can enjoy in your own time not at the exact same time as me. That's what this is. That's what this is. This is me attempting to be like, hey, you're not free at 7.30 p.m. on a Tuesday in Sydney. Fucking this is yours. Listen to it whenever you want. Let me supplement whatever activity you need at whatever time you deem appropriate. That's what I'm doing. So anyway, so basically, yeah, like, uh, you know, my, my social... My social occasions are booked too, you know? Like I go over to my friend's place for dinner. Hey, that's a booking. I'm doing a show that night. It's unpaid. 
Uh, but I do get a food voucher because <laughs> they paid for the pizza. But yeah, it's just kind of my whole thing was blocked out. I also did uh, a New Year's Eve comedy show for the first time because even though they're very common uh, in other parts of the world, in Australia, New Year's Eve comedy is, I think this might be the only one in the country that actually occurred uh, at the Newcastle Comedy Club. Love the Newcastle Comedy Club. I was up there also editing the special. Um, it's, it's exciting. It's almost done. Uh, but like the level of burnout I'm at at the moment is absurd. So I just, I want to apologize for not getting you the episode you so craved during that holiday period. But I'm also here to promise, promise to you that this year, the year 2023, the podcast will come out every Monday, 5 a.m. Australian Eastern time. Sydney time. It goes from AEDT to AEST with daylight savings. I never know which one's which. I never know whether the D stands for daylight savings or the S stands for savings. You know, could go either way. But it's going to come out at that time. That's when the episode is going to come out. Today's episode, I'm talking to um, probably, probably my closest comedy collaborator, uh, Steve Hofstetter. A very good friend of mine, a very good comedian from America who has, has helped me a lot. I've, I've toured with him a bunch. Uh, we do a weekly show online, which we'll talk about during this interview. He's just put a special out. Now, before I even get into the chat, which is extensive and interesting, he's got a special out. It's called The Recipe. It's on YouTube. You can watch it for free right now. I think uh, when we recorded this, it was it was maybe it had been out for a day. Now I think it's been out for a week. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now, live. That's the that's the joy of the of the podcast game, right? I could look this up live with you, right? You won't hear it live. That's what I'm trying to achieve here. Uh, but yes, what have we got? We've got Steve Hofstad of the recipe. I think it was twenty two thousand views the first day. Now it's almost at a hundred thousand, almost at a hundred thousand views. This guy was one of the first people to put out his comedy specials on YouTube. Uh, now, obviously, it's the it's the streaming service de jour. That's French for of the day. <laughs> um, and you know, he's putting this one out there too. Uh, so if if you if you could, if you have an hour available, which I assume you do because you're a podcast listener, uh, watch the goddamn special or listen to it. You know, he doesn't move around on stage that much. Listen to it. You'll still get the joy of it. Um, it's great. It's the show that I that I toured with him on. Oh, that was a fairly ineloquent sentence. It's the show he was doing when I was on tour with him. There we go. Landed the plane. Uh, it's a great show. It's a very interesting show. It's a very funny show. Like, as soon as I said interesting, I felt bad because that implies that it's not funny. No, no, no. It's very funny. This thing killed in... The worst comedy country in the world, Belgium. I've never had a good gig in Belgium. I've been constantly confused by Belgium. We didn't even just do the classics. We didn't even just do Brussels. We didn't even just do Antwerp. We did some bizarre town in like a yoga studio thing, converted town hall space. The wall was yellow. That's all I remember. Canary fucking yellow. That's what color this wall was. And I bombed up a storm. I was like, oh my goodness, sucked in, Steve. You got to deal with that for an hour. He fucking killed, absolutely destroyed with this show. It's a great show. So please go and watch it because, you know, I just want to... That's kind of like an appropriate lead-in, I think, in the sense that I was saying how burnt out I was because, you know, I do this independently. Like, that's how I've chosen to kind of do comedy uh, I organize my tours, I edit my podcast, I put out my reels, like it's all me, you know, like with this special that we're putting together, it's me sitting with the editor, me sitting with the colorist, me sitting with the sound mixer, just going through exactly what's going on, me talking to the producer beforehand, me talking to the venue, seeing if I got the thing, like it's me the whole time. Um, and like... I don't want to sound in any way like I'm tooting my own horn with this, but like 
it's not easy to do that. And it's, it, it takes like a bit of courage, I think, to really be like, hey, like I'm going to be the final say on all these things, especially areas that you're not an expert in to begin with, especially things that are probably going to cost you money if they go wrong. Like, for example, the opening sketch for the special was supposed to be shot on the night, but the venue was backlogged, so we couldn't get it done. So I came up with this other idea to shoot myself emerging in a tracksuit from the ocean. I thought it'd be interesting. I thought it'd give it like a bit of an Australian flavor. Full tracksuit emerging from the ocean. I was in Newcastle doing the comedy shows. The director and camera people are in Newcastle. I was like, let's get this thing filmed. We woke up at 5.30 a.m. both days. The clouds were in front of the sun. We couldn't get it done. I stuck around, spent like another 12 hours in Newcastle to get the shot in the evening. Now, in my head... I envisioned a nice kind of slow emerging from the water, like some kind of predator type scenario. Like is it predator? Was predator allergic to water? I don't know. You know what I mean? Just kind of like a, like a special ops, like a, like a slow, like the head emerges, the glasses emerge, the mustache emerges. Hey, it's that guy. It's the fucking guy. It's Daniel Muggleton. It's the guy. And then, the tracksuit emerges and people are like, well, that's quite fun, isn't it? You know, you don't usually swim in a full tracksuit. That's quite humorous. Uh, <laughs> and then I was, you know, going to walk out and then kind of walk into the venue, walk onto the stage. Hey, bit of fun. Um, I tried doing that at quite a rough Newcastle beach, Nobby's Beach, if you know it. And the first shot, we're going to do it in reverse. This is the director's idea. Very cool. Do it in reverse. So I come out dry. Huh? So I walk backwards into the water. They reverse it in post. I come into the water looking dry. Fucking sick. How good is that? Um, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk backwards into rough surf with a full tracksuit and glasses on <laughs> the day after New Year's fucking Eve. Um, it's quite a hangover cure, I tell you that. You don't feel sick anymore. You've got to concentrate too much. I fucked up that shot. Then it was like, all right, let's just do it going forward. Come out wet. I tried that a couple of times. I thought I'd never really nailed it, but I got close, did the final shot, came out, walked up to the beach, cheering. There's a light there. His partner's there. Mary's there. We're all like, hey, we did it. We got the shot. And no, apparently the reason they were cheering is because my glasses came off in the wave <laughs> and immediately sunk to the bottom of the ocean at Nobby's Beach, never to be seen again. It was truly... One of the most bookending experiences I've ever had for New Year's, you know? Because, like, it's a new year. It's a new me. Yeah, it is. You can't see anymore, cunt. You fucked it. Uh, we, we splashed around. <laughs> we splashed around the beach trying to find, like, a single pair of glasses in this heavy surf. Absolutely no luck. Um, but, yeah, like, the reason, <laughs> the reason I tell that story is not just, you know, to make me seem like an idiot. Um, don't worry, I got a new pair of glasses on health insurance. Uh, apparently, they're like an extra. Um, and I, you know, just coincidentally uh, had ordered new glasses on the 30th of December. It expires at the end of the year. Fuck, there you go. A uh, bit, of, bit, of, bit of luck uh, to go with the bad luck. But I just wanted to say, like, you know, you're doing this on your own. You think it's a good idea. You're recruiting these people around you and like you, you hope to God that they're as good at their job as is necessary to make you seem good at your job. And that's been absolutely my experience with Newcastle Comedy Club who filmed uh, this special. But yeah, you just go out and you can totally fuck it up. And when you fuck it up, the mistakes are yours. You know, the costs are yours. Like having to shoot that sketch extra, like that was that was what that was. Like, having it be totally unusable because you didn't realize how hard it is to walk out of water in a vaguely elegant way, <laughs> to lose your glasses so your wife has to drive you home because you literally can't see the road from Newcastle and it's like a two-hour drive and that's like your New Year's Day. Like you do it on your own and you really feel the mistakes and it's hard. Like it is a genuinely emotionally and creatively and intellectually challenging thing to do um and that's why i just want to say with steve he's been doing it this way for longer than i've been doing comedy i think he's been doing this you know 
on his own, backing himself, taking risks, doing things that at the time he was, you know, criticized for. Like, you know, he's, he's the heckler guy. Like, he's known for, like, uh, comedian destroys heckler. Like, that phrase kind of belongs to Steve Hofstetter and it's become, like, mocked in the creative comments. Like, it was on SNL. Like, that's how ubiquitous that phrase has become. But it's not, like, said with, like, this kind of, you know, it's kind of said in this almost derisive way. Um, but Steve's done that for 15 years and he's built this huge following that's truly international that comes out and sees him across the States, across Europe, across the UK, across Australia at venues that just continue to grow in size. Just there's, there's no other way to put it. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger and his presence keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and the rest of the comedy industry really kind of copies a lot of the things that he's done the whole time. Like, you know, heckler videos, crowdwork videos. Like we talk about all this in the show, but I just, sorry, in the interview. Um, but I just wanted to say it uh, as well. Like they all do that. And like, he doesn't get credited. It wasn't like, hey man, Steve was right the whole time. Like it was just kind of like, oh yeah, now it's fine because I'm doing it, you know? Like anyone who kind of innovates, I think has to cop that criticism initially. So I just wanted to say like, you know, I have found shooting this special and kind of getting it done in addition to, you know, planning festivals for next year, doing all this other stuff. I have found it so incredibly draining. Uh, but then I get to work with someone and look at someone like Steve Hofstetter who has been doing this for 15 years. It is paying off and that gives me strength. That makes me be like, you know what? It is going to be worth it. If you think you're right, you're probably right. Keep going. It's going to be awesome. And I say that hoping that this special that I have worked very hard on for two years, which will come out at some point in the future, is going to be awesome. And you guys are going to see that and you're going to be like, fuck yeah. And I'm going to be like, that was so worth it. And I say that having seen Steve's show live and having seen it now as a special and being like, that's fucking awesome. And I see him go from having played the smaller venues we initially played together to playing some of the biggest venues in Sydney, not even to mention the size of the venues he's playing in America now. And it's like, fuck yeah, you can do it. You can do it on your own. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't we just have a fucking chat to him. I don't need to, but isn't it hilarious that you guys will listen to this interview, by the way, <laughs> you guys will listen to this interview and see that I'm not nearly as glowing in person because somehow my kind of, my limitations as a heterosexual Australian man, even with a good friend, even on the privacy of a podcast, I still can't be as effusive in my praise as I'm doing sitting by myself in the exact same room while you guys are just being like, fucking wind it up. We just want to hear Steve. I think, look, it's a quick story before I get anyone. But I feel like we haven't caught up in a while, you know? So I feel like it's, it's important for me to tell you what I've been up to. I went to the cricket yesterday. I went to the, the test cricket in Sydney, which is the form of cricket that takes five days and sometimes uh, their match is a draw. This match actually was a draw. It just, it just happened uh, 10 minutes ago. They drew the match after five days of play. Uh, Americans always find this absolutely fucking baffling. Uh, so, you know, I thought it'd be fun to mention briefly. Um, but yes, so uh, we went to the cricket. I'm, this is just to give you a context of why I am the way I am. And it's because of my parents, which actually mirrors the beginning of Steve's special. Um, I went to the cricket yesterday with my dad. My dad was like, hey, do you want to come to the cricket? And I was like, cool. I'm doing a show at the Comedy Store, which is right around the corner from the SCG, the Sydney Cricket Ground. Uh, that would actually be perfect. Can't wait to spend some time with you, dad. And so we went to the cricket. He was going with two of his mates in addition to me. And we drove in together and we got into the ground. And he said, hey, I've got some other friends here. And we went and said hello to them. He went and got a round of beers. He handed me my beer and then went and sat down with his other friends. 
Seriously, my own father, who I went to the cricket with, didn't sit next to me at the cricket, didn't sit next to his friends that he was meeting at the cricket. He went and sat two rows away with his other friends the whole time. We were there. (laughs) We were there for two and a half hours. At no point did he come and sit with us. At no point... Did he invite us to sit with him? We just sat there separately at the cricket like father and son and I was there still in my mother's custody somehow. It was very bizarre, but that is why <laughs> that is why I'm emotionally limited. That's what I'm saying. There we go. That's enough. That's definitely enough. We got there. I think I think that explains it, right? When your own dad treats you like, you know, you might be friends on the bus, but once you get into the cafeteria or sitting with the cool kids, when your own dad does that to you with no explanation, I think that's why it's difficult to lather your friend with praise, even though you are incredibly proud of him. Uh, guys, I'm going to chat to Steve Hofstetter. I do it all the time, but this time... Uh, without others interrupting with their pesky goddamn questions. I hope you enjoy it. But to get us there, for the first time in 2023, it's Verticoli. Are you you suggesting that you have natural rhythm, Steve Hofstetter? I I don't know about this. I do, but that's not what I was suggesting. <laughs> I was saying that, like, have you ever tried to sing happy birthday to someone on Zoom? It's a, it's a total shit show. I've, like, I've never because... tried to do that, and I, and I never will, hopefully. Uh, Mary, Mary, and I, Mary and I send, and I, you haven't got one yet. I'll, I'll have to remember. I mean, obviously, I never forget your birthday. Nobody does. But um, we, we, send, we send birthday videos to people. We started doing that. It's fucking cute. Like we, oh, that's cute. it's both of us and we sing you happy birthday over the phone and then we leave a rambling message, which can take 45 to, you know, 180 seconds. It's a, it's a vibe. I'm, nice. I'm excited for you to get one. I think you'll be confused by it. I, I look forward to getting a cameo from you. <laughs> yeah, but for free because we are friends. Um, yes. let's not, let's not doubt that. Um, dude, good to, good to have you. Good to have you on the podcast. This is, this it's it feels weird to talk to you in any kind of formal way you know is this is this formal yeah for me i'm 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 seated uh <laughs> I'm, I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm recording this is as formal as it kind of gets from from my end because yeah so um for anyone who lacks the kind of context on this which probably isn't many people um you've been incredibly good to me um you've you've dragged me uh through comedy with you to a degree and we also do a show every week called Ask Us Everything. So we, we kind of constantly talk to each other, but also don't really talk to each other. You know, like, does that, Yeah. does that, do you think that's a good summary? Um, to, a, to a degree. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that the show makes it strange because like we do, you know, we do kind of hang out for an hour and a half every week, but we also do that with an audience. So it's not really the same as like, you know, playing a video game or grabbing a bite to eat. Exactly. It's, it's it's, it's performative. Yeah. It's a performative. It's like, it's like other people kind of watching us hang. It's like some kind of weird experiment. It's like, can these guys, let's get 40 witnesses just to make sure uh, that they can socialize. It's a really good thing now that we're doing this, which is not performative at all. I know. Finally, finally, like just <laughs> <laughs> absolutely zero uh, accountability in uh, what we say. Yeah. But no, it's it's just funny because um, yeah, because like I think during the pandemic, right? Like the fact that you were in America and I was in Australia was like somewhat irrelevant because we were just both home. So yes. like there, there's just kind of a more availability. Whereas like now, you know, we kind of we kind of got stuff going on again, and it's kind of like. We, we, we don't, because that's it, we, we still spend 90 minutes together a week, but in terms of just like social stuff, it's like, it's, it's less, it's less so, but like, I'm not, again, have I told, have I told you this? I've actually, 
I've actually got a whole theory about collaborating with people. Um, yeah. Which I which I which I took from an article I skimmed while half asleep, and I've applied that to every aspect of my life. Um, there's Excellent. A- so you you <laughs> collaborated with both your article and your dreams. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I, I don't I don't talk to them socially either. Uh, but so uh, it's it was this Australian radio duo, this famous Australian radio duo called Roy and HG, um, and they they have worked together on radio for about thirty years, and they do like kind of sports coverage and Olympics coverage and all this other stuff. And they in that time have had dinner together twice. They're like we save it for the show. Like, we're friends, we get on, but, like, our wives have met maybe three times. We've had dinner twice. We do it for, the, for what other people see. Like, we, we, we reserve this interaction for what other people engage with. And I've that applied is, that to this. That is absolutely preposterous. What? Why? Uh, Come on. No? No, I, I, would, ne- I would not do that. Um, I understand that what they're saying, but like you can, you know, go to an event together and then recap it with a good story. Like there are ways to do that. But like, I think, I think we don't hang out in person because we live across the world from each other. I think it's the 22 hour flight that does it. <laughs> that, that's it for you? Because I, I find the, I find the commute very relaxing. I, I, yeah. If anything, if anything, I'd like to fly more. Um, yeah, it's great. You can be like, yeah, you know, I get to listen to a podcast or a full season of podcasts. You know, it just <laughs> yeah, really, un- really unwind. That, that's the that's the length of an Australian international flight. It's just like the crime has been solved by the time you land. You know, like it's it's over. <laughs> but by the t- by the time you land, a new government has been installed. It's <laughs> uh, it's and and it it's only gotten longer because now I moved a six hour flight further from where I used to live. Mm. Um, when I was in LA, it was, uh, you know, it was a 16 hour flight. And now to go to Australia, really, I need to go to LA first because I'm not flying from here. That's crazy. That, surely that doesn't so, even exist. Pittsburgh to Sydney direct. No way. No way. That no, 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 no. There's no, there's, there's barely a Pittsburgh to Detroit direct flight. But <laughs> the, but even if I were, I mean, there probably is a Detroit to Sydney and I could, you know, drive the four hours, uh, to Detroit um, and and certainly there's a New York to Sydney, and I could you know, and that's an hour flight from here. But the the New um, York, even with that connection, the New York no. goes via LA. The, I mean, this is this is quite a dry start to the podcast. But like the <laughs> this this no, is what we talk about. Let's go through the schedule. All right, airline by airline. We can do this. <laughs> Just like when we catch up, we mainly talk logistics. Like I don't know, I don't know if you've met uh, straight white dudes before. Uh, but feelings <laughs> are directly below logistics. Like logistics has to be covered for. It's like it's like when my grand died and my dad called me and he was like, "The funeral's in Newcastle," and I was like, "Of course I'll be there." And he's like, "Yeah, be careful because I've just added some speed cameras on the highway." So you know. And I was like, "Thank you, thank <laughs> that, you, father." That was the. You're just crying on the way, and just be like, "Are you sad?" Be like, "Yeah, they put in these new speed cameras, and I just can't go as quickly as I used to go." Dad, you seem very emotional. It's like, yeah, it's double demerits this weekend. You know, it just really tugs at the old heartstrings. Um, yeah. <laughs> is, is that an American thing? Because like, obviously, we we clash culturally a lot. Demerit points. That's yeah. that's universal. Okay, cool. Just checking. No, no. no. What? Uh, de- demerit points. Do you, do you mean like points on a license? Yes. On a driver's license. Yes. You get a demerit. Okay. Yeah. We don't we don't call it demerit. What do you guys they call? Just call them points. Call them freedom freedom points. You're losing yeah, yeah, your yeah, freedom yeah. points, Steve. Them. Soon you won't have all the yeah. freedom. And you're like, ah, no. Yeah, and they're <laughs> covered in cheese whiz. It's great. Ah, oh, man. Um, you, like, I, I sarcastically imply that America is super American all the time, but you are, and I love it about you. Like, even the Americans yeah, are like... They're not actually covered in cheese whiz. I was, that was a bit. <laughs> um, but the, they are just called points. It's, you know, you can get points on your license. And not, um, not everywhere does it, and there are a lot of infractions that do not lead to points in your license. Yeah, but, uh, some do. I think it's six, and you lose your license or something. Okay, see, I, yeah. I think I think the innate Australian sense of competitiveness would kind of ruin that because, like, wait, you can get points on your license. <laughs> How many can I rack up? Let's fucking go. Let's not exactly. Uh, you you set the high score. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, it's like negative points. America's just like, yeah, points. Like you know, and the judge is like, actually, sir, it's quite bad. And he's like, whoa. Um, yeah. you know, you know how you guys all all are. like you you seem like a man who woos regularly, if not all the time. 
Um, I don't, I'm not much of a wooer, but I am definitely a, and you've seen this on our show. Yeah. You know, I am throwing my hands up in the air, victorious kind of yes kind of person <laughs> like that, that I do, uh, certainly while watching sports, you know, and, or minor victories, minor victory, just socially, just a good clap back on social media. Yes. And then mm-hmm. like back to you yeah. every day, freaking everybody the, else in the row out. Yeah. So when I tour with, uh, Brett Druck, he has at times called me. Uh, the boy who cried oh fuck and <laughs> I, I assume you're familiar with the boy who cried wolf as a story no no please uh in australia it's the boy who cried dingo it's a very different story <laughs> <laughs> i was really worried that like it's like the boy who packaged a kangaroo i don't know what it would be called but it would be something different in in australia um, it's just the boy who cried and the dad's like that's fucking soft mate and then that's the end of the story <laughs> <laughs> and then he kicks him out of the house and he wanders the outback by himself. Exactly. Um, Dude, we just wrote an original the, Australian film. Uh, please continue. <laughs> so um, so he called me the boy who cried, oh, fuck, because mm. there'll be times I look at my phone. Like when I'm genuinely upset about something, I don't let on all that much when, you know, obviously to the people who I'm close with, you know, I might say something and, mm. you know, my demeanor might change a bit. But when I have a minor annoyance, that's when I'll be like, ah, fuck. Yeah. Like when I, when I see that, you know, the Mets gave up a run or, <laughs> you know, it was, or I, oh man, you know, I forgot a t-shirt at the hotel, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I might go, oh, fuck. And so he would call me the boy who cried, oh, fuck, because whenever I say that, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Like everyone turns, everyone's, everyone's looking at you in the van, in the tour van, like, Steve, what's wrong? And you're like... Left a t-shirt. It's dude. crazy to me though, because they're all like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "How long have you known me? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> I'm fine. Things are going well. I'm um, expressing annoyance. That's it. Be that's like, it. oh fuck, what is it? I thought we'd sell out by now. We're ten tickets short. You know, that's actually kind of good news in a way. But I would still, I would still, oh fuck it. Dude, so. I've I've got a theory now, having gone on my first uh, like independent kind of tour, like you know, first tour of Australia, which is which is very exciting, and you know, again, I, I would like to give you full credit. I don't think I would have done uh, had I not interacted and worked with you, because you just you, you just make it all seem possible. Now that that implies that just like man, if Steve can do it, fucking anyone can. No, just like if you're willing to put in the work and if you're willing to line things, you can just do these things. Like you don't need anyone to tell you that you're allowed to do them. But well, both are true. Both, yeah, both absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely true. Um, but like, I now am not sure whether I like doing stand-up comedy or. I've developed a dopamine addiction uh, to selling tickets. I'm not sure what it, because you can you can relate to this, right? Like I this this might be a bit inside or whatever, but like as a comedian, you check your ticket sales and you check them at a rate that anyone else would describe as unhealthy, and just how, the how sheer. How often do you check yours? Oh man, in that tour, like. If you now see my phone, like if, if this like this is this is years of like websites I visited, like you know sports news, whatever. The top three are just the three ticketing websites from that tour. That is how frequently, like I I I had shoulder pain just by the sheer just click of refer- <laughs> like it was so so much. And like I'm not even doing like insane numbers, but like I realized you know you sell you sell four or five tickets and that comes up and you're like fuck yeah four or five tickets you fucking yes and then you're like holy shit that felt so good what if i sold more in the time that i was celebrating that four or five and you check it again Ugh, horrific. oh so three years ago um i had this theory you know and i was selling okay mm. but i had this theory that like if i could just sell 200 tickets in any market that would be freedom because at the time, you know, I was doing 20 bucks a head. Mm. I'm like, that's 4,000 bucks gross um, for a show. And, you know, being able to do a few of those a week would be freedom. Yeah. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I couldn't do any shows. And then I came back from the pandemic. And the first, the first two weeks, we were playing the limited capacity. Mm. So we're playing, you know, 40, 50 seats in a venue and I'm all excited that everything's selling out and then I experienced for the first time that I can actually sell tickets for real like the 
the growth that I experienced over the course of the pandemic was enormous. And so then suddenly I'm selling, you know, 200 easy, 300 in some markets, 400. I even, you know, in Seattle, I'm selling over 700. Mm. And, I, and I'm, I'm addicted to it now to the point <laughs> where like, if I, if I sell like three years ago, if I sold 150 tickets at three years ago's price point to a 300 seater, I would be like, this is a huge success. Yeah. And now I sell 280 to a 300 seater and I'm like, God damn it. Why? I'm so upset. And so I'm just like reloading like a fucking idiot. And it is, you get used to, you get used to the new normal. I mean, the new normal becomes normal so quickly. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's, I think, you know, what makes us the kind of psychopaths that, you know, chose this career in the first place. But like, yeah. No, it's it's true. I want to yeah. know what what non comedians have as that. Just to check, like how much, like I look. I reckon, and um, this is I I don't want to I don't want to speak for my wife Mary here, but she's not around, so I guess I'll have to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think for her, it's uh, a a discount on something. Like she'll just the the sheer level of online shopping scroll that she's willing to go to to find that thing at that price point i think i think that's got to be it i think it's just got to be like i fucking i nailed that like you know i i saved money and it's like no you know you still yeah. spent not important i just wonder what life would be like if like when you posted something on social media it didn't matter how it did do you know what i mean i don't think that exists i don't think don't that think exists so? i don't think it exists because have you ever seen this is the thing these are the people that I find the most confusing. The ones who have like a social media handle called like the real Nick Stevens. Like just, you're just, you're not the real Nick Stevens. You're just uh, Nick Stevens. Like there's just a fucking bunch of you <laughs> and you chose that handle. Like why would, okay, you're doing that. And then they're like posting photos of them like they're fucking influencers. They've got 700 followers. Like why would you devote this amount of time to this? I don't mean, I don't even mean those guys. Okay. Uh, which, by the way, statistically, at least two people named Nick Stevens are listening. Right <laughs> it's just, it's very common. Name. Not, not but, the real Nick Stevens. His, his, his busy uh, trying to frame a shot of a hotel lobby. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, official underscore Nick Stevens <laughs> listening right now. But I mean the people who aren't trying to be seen. There are people mm. who their accounts are on private. They're like, they're just set to friends. They have, you know, 30 or 40 followers that are just people they know in person. Mm. And they just post something because they want to, not because they feel the need to feed some kind of algorithm or because their livelihood depends on it. They just post it because it's enjoyable. And they're like, hey, I had a good meal. Look at it. It's fun. <laughs> That'd just be so nice. <sighs> Is it nice or is that kind of more in because I like and this is probably I'm lying to myself here, but in my head, if I didn't have to do this professionally, I wouldn't use social media. And Ooh, I think so I've I've had this thought before. Yeah. Are we lying? Are we are we is this just is this just us being like, yeah, no, we're better than that and we're not. We're dirty, we're refreshing tickets in I the don't... gutter, being like, give me another hit. I, I don't know. My my sister doesn't use it at all, mm. and I'm I'm definitely jealous of that. I think that it can be used for a social life, of course. Mm. You know, it can be used to. I do like the idea of you know keeping up to date with some people and what they're doing, but I don't use it for that very much because I'm so trained to use it for my career. Totally. That I think, yeah, I think that if I were single, maybe I'd still be on it. But not being single and and not having a career in entertainment, I don't I don't think I would use it. You just released a special on YouTube. That's what that's what's happened recently. That's the newest news uh, for Steve Hofstadter. The the newest news. That's a phrase that I feel uncomfortable having said, but I have to repeat to make it seem intentional. The, yeah, it's the, the newest. The newest. Newest. New, newest. Newest. The newsiest of all things. Um, you put it out on YouTube. Yeah. Now, uh, for a bit of context, um, 
you were probably one of the first comedians to put stand-up out on YouTube. That was like, like... Yeah, there there was, you know, I mean, obviously there were clips here and there, but for a while, I was the only one that was really using it as, as my main means of promotion. Mm. And then Josh Wolf and Drew Lynch and Andrew Schultz, um, it was kind of the four of us for a while. Yeah. And now it's everyone which you know cool good for them happy for them um but it it was wild that for a very long time people shit on the idea of crowd work clips and now it's all the people upload yeah i mean i think one of the funny things about it is you were kind of the first to do like a lot of things and being the first to do it meant that other comedians were like, oh, fuck that guy. He's doing this thing. Um, and then now they all do it. But there's never just been a, hey, so that Steve guy was actually kind of spot on. Uh- <laughs> there's been there's been a little of apology now with the crowd work clips. Okay, um, interesting. You know, there, there have been a couple of people who, you know, have tweeted about it or mentioned something on a podcast Mm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, um, if you innovate something, you take shit from people who are not innovators. Um, there were with, with every one of those things, there were people who are like, Oh, Hey, great idea. Mm. Can you show me how to do that? And then there were other people being like, you're a sellout, which was hilarious. I think my favorite one was there was a guy (laughs) who was, I, I, do, I don't even want to say comic. I wasn't going to say comedian, but I don't even want to say comic. <laughs> there was a guy who sometimes dabbled in saying words into a microphone in a certain rhythm. And that's as close as I'll allow myself sure. to describe it. And he, he like wrote something on Facebook about, you know, me putting up heckler clips and how that's not real stand up. And the post below that, was promoting a show where everyone performed in costume in a laundromat and he was in a fucking bear suit. I'm like, you just <laughs> did quote unquote stand up in a bear suit in a laundromat and you're going to be the arbiter of what is or isn't comedy. <laughs> and I, as much as I think that him doing that is stupid, good for him. Give it a shot. You know, we are all just trying to find a way to make this work professionally. And I've never. I've never held anything against someone for trying. Like even even when people got really pissed at uh do you know who Stormy Daniels is? Did that yeah, translate the, to the, Australia? Yeah, the, the the porn star had had sex with Donald Trump, is that a thing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it, isn't and, that isn't that funny that I could mention a porn star had sex with the US president and it's not shocking. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Like that's Yeah. Trump six years ago it would have blown people's minds yeah and and pardon the accidental pun (laughs) but Stormy Daniels after that story gained a ton of traction she was doing quote-unquote stand-up comedy Mm. and she was performing at comedy clubs and there were a lot of people who were very upset and like I made fun of the idea that like that's what clubs want but I didn't you know, I didn't begrudge her because, you know what? She's got the heat. Go use it. It's fine. If this is what you want to do, go give it a shot. As long as you want to try to put the work in, fine. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's interesting because, um, like, I remember seeing kind of crowd work clips and like that kind of stuff, or like stand-up kind of clips, and you're just kind of like, oh, geez. Like, but I think that comes from genuinely just a place where – you're not willing to do the work to do that. So instead of being like, oh man, I should really do the work to do that or, you know, decide not to do it because no one's forcing you. Like even even now, like you don't have to put a fucking reel out. You don't have to do the thing. You don't have to caption the stuff. It's fine, dude. You can do whatever you want. But like, I think that's, I think that's all it is. It's just resentment for someone doing something you're unwilling to do. And rather than admitting that, you're just kind of like, hey, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? It's, it's like when you see someone with abs, you're just like, I think you're a cunt. And they're like, but I've just died and exercised. You're like, yeah, and that's why. Because I'm incapable. 
of doing that. Incapable. Oh. I keep saying uncapable recently. Like I've had some kind of brain injury in the last three days. What happened? I could speak, incapable. Steve. Yeah. I keep saying uncapable. Like, Are you uncapable of speaking? I, I wasn't previously. But <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather. I got sunburn. I don't know. It's the sun. It's the sun. It's the sunburn. Still, my back is just glowing. Like, this was, this was probably Steve's most victorious moment in our friendship where I just got sunburnt so hard on my back, I look like the cover of his book, Ginger Kid. Like, it is a remarkable yeah. resemblance. Like, just down to the framing of it. Like, it's the lower part of the back, just like the book cover. Like, fuck, man. I've been, I've been having Mary oh. just douse me with aloe every night. And, like, look, I'll be honest, it's thrilling. Uh, to, have, to, have your, <laughs> to have your wife apply lotion to you on a regular basis really makes you seem like one of those, you know, Old Testament kings. It feels good. Well, sometimes life imitates art because the art <laughs> imitated life in the beginning. Like the, that, that wasn't an artist's conception of how it looks to get a sunburn on your back. That's just how it looks. <laughs> and you just hadn't experienced it yet. And, you know, now welcome to the uh, very, very painful club. Did you did you go method for that one? I like to think you did. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't that, a drawing. No, that's not me. That's art. It's not me. <laughs> it was, in fact... They, uh, I, I did not want to call the book Ginger Kid because I had already called my special that. Mm -hmm. But they liked the name and they wanted to name the book that. And I had fought against it and then they showed me the art and I was like, okay, I'm in. That's great. <laughs> like that. I was like, that's a stellar book cover. And so uh, that's how that, it came to pass. That's it. But so, sorry, let's just jump back to this comedy special on YouTube because. Yes. Um, you know, you were, as you said, like one of the few people putting comedy on YouTube, let alone a comedy special. Like your first two specials were on YouTube. Is there two there before yeah, this, this one? This is, I mean, tech, <clears throat> me, technically I did one with a label a long time ago. Mm. But, you know, I don't know if I would want to use the word special as much as recorded set. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, it, this, is, uh, this is the third one that is available for free on YouTube. And, mm. you know, the first one, got a lot of eyeballs and, you know, gave me more fans. And the timing of it was perfect because I had posted. So the first one, this was wild. I had posted that special to YouTube and then I hadn't posted anything for a little bit because I was down in uh, Florida watching baseball. And then that's where the most viral clip of my career happened. And when I, when that clip went viral, the thing right before it was my comedy special. And so that helped me so much because instead of people going, oh, good heckler clip, but that's a one trick pony, they literally had an hour of material they could watch for free that was already up. Wow. And just like, I, I assume almost even just autoplay, just like bang, just straight into the, if you like this guy, hey, this is the next thing. This is it right here. Go have a look. Yeah. Yeah, very possibly. And so, you know, that, that ended up being uh, fortuitous timing. But it also, you know, a lot of people look at, you know, these overnight success and, and overnight success can happen, but overnight success with staying power can't mm. because you need a body of work to, to make it stay. Otherwise, you're just a flash in the pan. And so uh, I had I had been posting I had been posting clips of, you know, both material as well as, you know, an entirely self-funded special. Um, and when I say self-funded, I mean, that was back in the time where I like pulled every favor I could and recorded it on the cheap. And it's one of those things like, oh, I hope I sell this to a network, even though it doesn't even have good enough quality to be on public access. <laughs> but I, you know, I just, I wanted to, people to see my material. And so I wasn't just the heckler guy. And it was, it was nine years before I started getting any sort of views at all. Mm. And then it was another five before it started being viable. So it took, a, it took a long time of just putting content out there and slowly building. All right, so that was my chat, but not all my chat with Steve Hofstetter. What? What? How could it not be the whole chat? We're hearing from you again. That's right. Uh, it is not the pesky plug uh, that some podcast was slipping at this moment, but it's the end of this episode. There's going to be another part. There's going to be part two. It's going to come out in a couple of days. It's going to be the rest of my chat with Steve Hofstetter. The rest of my remotely recorded, vaguely suffering from latency issues chat. 
with Steve Hofstetter uh, and the way that it'll work in the future, not the not the near future, the the the, the like. Hmm. It's hard to describe the exact part of the future that I'm envisioning. Sometime this year, but not soon enough that you have to do anything about it. Like like tax. <laughs> it will happen this year, but to do anything about it now would be absurd. At some point, the way I envision this podcast working is I will have a chat to someone or I'll talk or I'll do whatever and that'll be half the episode, then the other half of the episode will exist on the Patreon for this podcast. That's right. A Patreon will exist soon. Not now, but soon. And you guys can get a podcast episode just like any other podcast episode. You can get it for free and you can listen to it and you can enjoy it. And I'm grateful for you lending me your goddamn ears for 50 to 70 minutes. Or if you want more, you can chuck me five bucks Australian a month to get it. That's how it works. It's not, it's not, it's like, how about this? How about this for an analogy? It's like a Kit Kat. It's like a mini Kit Kat. <laughs> I just realized I didn't, I didn't do that because the regular Kit Kat is obviously four. That's a regular size Kit Kat. And that would imply that each, uh, each segment of the podcast is two segments of Kit Kat, which just probably... Uh, requires more maths from you than you're capable of. Uh, but a mini Kit Kat has two things. You get one, you get the other. It's all part of a one, but you wouldn't be sad to only get one piece of Kit Kat. You know, that's that's the best analogy. <laughs> that's the best analogy I'm capable of as it uh, approaches midnight on on Sunday. January eighth. That's right. That's when that's when the little the little interlude of the episode is being recorded. But the second part of my chat with Steve Hoff said it will come out on Wednesday. Uh, until then, if you've enjoyed the pod, give us a rating, subscribe. As I said, episodes will be coming out more consistently now. But hey, it's always nice to subscribe so you don't have to remember to listen. Give us a rating. Some of you already have. I appreciate that. And do get in touch. Dan at danielmuggleton.com.au if you, if you like the idea for the Patreon, if you hate the idea for the Patreon, or if you want to... Uh, swap any goddamn tales with me. Get in touch via email. As I promised, I'm the only one who reads it. You want me? You got me. I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I am nothing if not accessible. I'm a comedian with a BYO ramp. <laughs> part two coming soon. Hope you enjoyed part one. Verticoli, take us out. <laughs>